Welcome to the Dollars and Cents Radio Show with your host, accountant and author Carol Topp, the homeschool CPA. Join Carol as she shares her knowledge on a topic of interest to everyone, money. On the show, Carol will discuss starting and running a micro-business, teaching your kids about money, and managing money in a homeschool organization. Carol takes confusing topics such as money and business and puts them into clear English. She's ready to share her knowledge with you on today's show. Hi, this is Carol Tapp, your host for the Dollars and Cents show, and this is episode number 11. We are going to be talking about taxes and homeschoolers in particular. Are there any tax breaks for homeschoolers? I am a certified public accountant. I do a lot of taxes around this time of year. I am recording this in early February, and it's tax season, or it's certainly starting. And probably one of the number one questions I get asked at several of my websites, including Homeschool CPA is are there any tax breaks for homeschoolers so that's what we're going to talk about today let me start out by saying first of all there are no federal tax deductions or tax credits for your homeschool expenses so on your form 1040 there's no place where you can write off your your homeschooling expenses sorry folks it just isn't there and the reason is because your homeschooling expenses are considered personal expenses kind of like we can't write off our food can't write off our clothes can't write off what the IRS considers your personal expenses and deduct your or lower your taxes that way so but the good news is that maybe, depending upon what state you belong to, there might be some tax breaks at the state level. Arizona, Illinois, Indiana, Iowa, Louisiana, and Minnesota all have some sort of tax break for individuals based on expenses they have for educating their children. Now, usually these tax credits apply to both public or private school parents who are spending money uh, educating their children. So these aren't necessarily education credits unique to homeschoolers, but they might apply to homeschoolers. So again, if you live in Arizona, Illinois, Indiana, Iowa, Louisiana, or Minnesota, make sure you look into that and take advantage on your state taxes. This probably doesn't amount to being a whole lot of money back in your pocket, because state taxes are are lower than federal income tax in the United States. Uh, but you know what? It's okay. Every bit a little bit helps. I do want to remind you right now, and I'll probably say it again later. Remember that if we talk about tax breaks, we're talking about tax deductions or tax credits that just reduce the tax you pay. The government, your state government in particular, is not putting any money or any cash in your pocket to go buy your homeschool curriculum in the first place. All they're doing is reducing the taxes that you pay. And I know a lot of parents say, well, you know, I have to spend this money to educate my child. And, you know, and in addition, I'm paying property tax. Um, I get that. I understand the frustration of feeling like you're, you're paying taxes into a system that you're not participating in. But understand well, that you're not getting anything from the government. You know, <laughs> all they're doing is taking a little bit less out of your pocket. Now, actually, there is a proposal in my home state here in Ohio for our property tax to be reduced uh, proportional. I'm not exactly sure what the bill is all about, but a property tax reduction uh, equivalent to the amount that a taxpayer pays in homeschool expenses. 
wow, what that's a thought, uh, which is normally our complaint. It's it's not the income tax that we should probably be looking to. It's the property tax that we're paying but not taking advantage of the public schools. I don't think that bill is going to be very successful because, of course, there's a lot of people that pay property tax that don't have children in the school systems, including private school parents and, and uh, empty nesters uh, or retirees. But anyway, it's a neat idea. So, again, at the federal level, nope, sorry, no federal tax credits or tax deductions for your homeschooling expenses. But at your state level, you might find something. There are a couple websites um, I'm going to share over at my show notes on dollarsandcentsshow.com. Look for episode 11 on the topic of tax breaks for homeschoolers. And there's some um, links. There's uh, a... HSLDA, the Homeschool Legal Defense Association, has a website where it explains some of the tax breaks for different states. Also, um, the A to Z Homeschool website has a very good discussion of the different states and their tax write-offs. And she also kind of um, addresses there about, you know, do you really want a tax break? You know, here's the cons, okay? When, When we get a tax break, from the government, either at the federal level or the state level or property taxes or whatever, um, it, it always comes with some strings attached. Understand that uh, they might want proof of homeschooling. They might want you to register in ways you haven't had to register before. It might mean increased regulation. Prove you're a homeschooler, um, which in many states we have great freedoms to homeschool. We don't really want to have any more government regulation on that. And also being a CPA and a tax preparer, I can tell you the tax system is already extremely complex. We really don't need any more individual carve-outs um, to make it more complex. Special interest groups are what, uh, what um, Congress likes to refer to that as. So I'm really not in favor in general of adding more complexity to our tax code. Uh, let me talk about one expense that you might think you're eligible to, for to take at the federal level because it is a little confusing. There is something on the 1040, on the front page of the 1040, called the educator expense deduction. And some homeschoolers have asked me via my website, Homeschool CPA, and things like that. Can we take that? I'm an educator. Or they even have a better argument. They say, hey, listen, in my state, my homeschool is considered a private school. Can I t- I'm really considered a school, you know. Can I take this educator expense deduction? What it is is I think it's a $200 or $250 uh, tax deduction. But if you go into that uh, tax deduction, as an educators are allowed to take it, teachers, and read the nitty-gritty of it, the law says that you have to be employed as a teacher, principal, uh, or, or an aide in a school and work for $900. Nine, excuse me, not work for 900 hours during a school year. So that's not going to apply to most of us as home educators. It, okay, first of all, we know we work the 900 hours. No argument there. What I mean is you have to basically prove you're an employee of a school system and an employee that works 900 hours in a school year. Meaning if you want to take that educator expense deduction on your federal 1040 they're going to expect to see a w-2 from a school system if you don't have a w-2 from a school system public or private you're not eligible to take that educator expense deduction sorry it doesn't apply to homeschoolers i will tell you though that there is a congressman tom cole of oklahoma who has a bill 
uh, in the U.S. House right now to allow homeschool parents to take this deduction. Interesting, huh? He wants to kind of expand it to say, hey, homeschoolers, they have these expenses too. They should be allowed to take this deduction. Well, good for Representative Cole, right? Okay. <laughs> um, if you're interested in looking at this bill, it's uh, HR 1850-1850. I will put it in my show notes over at dollarsandcentsshow.com, episode number 11 on tax breaks for homeschoolers. Um, I will talk to you now about some tax breaks that you might get as a parent. That's worthwhile, whether you homeschool or not. I'm just going to cover these kind of briefly so you know that they're out there. Make sure you're taking advantage of them, whether you are preparing your own tax return uh, using tax software or whether you're going to a tax preparer. Make sure that you check your tax return and make sure these tax deductions and tax breaks are on your tax return. Usually they are. If you enter your children as your dependent, usually these things kind of come up automatically in the software. But let me first of all say you do get an exemption for each of your dependents. The exemption amount in 2013 is $3,900. goes up about $50 per person per year. So in 2014, it'll probably be $3,950. You get that for each member of your family or dependent. Okay, that helps. That reduces your taxable income. There's also the child tax credit. That's been around for quite a while now. That's where we get a thousand dollar tax credit for each child that is your dependent on your tax return. And and tax credits are always better than tax deductions. That exemption I talked about, the $3,900 per person in your family, that, that just reduces your taxable income. Tax credits, they're dollar for dollar. They reduce the tax you owe. So the child tax credit, which was introduced, I think, by George uh, W. Bush, um, been around for a while now. It's $1,000 per child. I will warn you, though, here's something a lot of people don't realize till they get teenagers, <laughs> that that tax credit ends when the child turns 17, not 18. And and that's that's tricky because, of course, they're, you're dependent in until they're uh, through through their until they're 18 excuse me when they're 18 they're no longer considered your dependent unless they're a full-time student but this child tax credit goes away when they're 17 what the law says is that they ask was your child under age 17 at the end of the year so they look at your child at the end of the year and they say were they under 17 which means were they 16 if they turn 17 during that year whoop Sorry, no $1,000 child tax credit for you. And I remember this when my daughter turned 17. She turned 17 December 22nd. She's born late in the year. Christmas baby. And so, of course, she's 16 for all of the, all of the year. Turned 17 in the last, you know, 10 days of the year. And guess what? I don't, I don't get that $1,000 child tax credit for her. Uh, and I didn't get what she was born because it didn't exist either. So anyway, be aware of that. Be aware of that because that's a big hit to a lot of people. The loss of $1,000 means $1,000 you're going to have to pay in federal income tax. Um, there's also something called an earned income credit. That is basically a, um, a refundable tax credit. It's for low-income people. It is basically um, a welfare program if uh, for low-income people. It's a way that they get uh, money from the federal government without even... Um, owing any income tax. So it's a this is how people get very large refunds of $3,000, $5,000, $6,000 having not even paid in 
um, the earned income credit. Eh, it's a little complicated. Um, you have to verify the child is yours and not somebody else's. And, and there's a checklist we as tax preparers have to fill out. So be aware of it um, and take advantage of it. If you're eligible, certainly take advantage of it. But I just want you to know that uh, the earned income credit is out there for families with children um, in low income. There is a child care tax deduction. Uh, what this is, is if you pay someone to babysit your children in order for you to work, you can take up to something like 20% of the expenses you pay somebody who babysits your kids, who provides child care. Uh, that doesn't apply to most of us homeschoolers because, you know, homeschooling is not considered employment. It's just what we do with our kids. It's a lot of work. I know that, but it's not considered employment. So you don't you're not eligible to take the tax deduction if you hire a mother's helper or somebody to come in the house while you're still in the house. Now, if you hire somebody so you can go work, that's different. I did I did do that when my kids were uh, very young. I had a baby and I returned to work part time and I was able to take advantage of the child care tax deduction for what I paid my babysitters. I'm going to take a little break now and we're going to come back and I'm going to talk about some education credits and deductions. These are tax credits you can get for uh, education. Almost all of them, with the exception of one, is at the college level. But you might want to know about that if you've got kids who are looking off to college or if you yourself are going to college or getting some education. There's some tax credits for you. I'll be right back. Homeschool leader, do you feel confused or overwhelmed by the job of running your homeschool group? You're not alone. Carol Top, the homeschool CPA, is here to help. Carol is an accountant, author, and retired homeschool mom who understands you. Her website has helpful information on co-ops, paying workers, and managing the money in a homeschool group. If you need personalized advice, set up a consultation with Carol. She's happy to discuss your particular situation. Visit homeschoolcpa.com today and get the information you need to successfully run your homeschool group. Well, hi, this is Carol Top. Welcome back to the Dollars and Cents show. This is episode number 11. We are talking about tax breaks for homeschoolers. And I gave you the bad news at the top of the show, which said, unfortunately, there is no federal tax credit or tax deduction for homeschool expenses. There may be some at your state level. And there are a handful of states, about six or so, that offer a tax deduction for homeschool expenses and um, legislators are getting a little creative. Um, here in Ohio, they, there is a proposal for a tax credit on our property tax for homeschooling expenses. Don't know if that's going to be successful, but we'll find out. Um, I did talk to you about some of the other tax breaks that exist for parents, the uh, child tax credit, the exemptions, earned income credit, and the educator expense, uh, which I explained was not uh, for homeschoolers, sorry, it's for teachers who work in a school uh, for at least $900 during the school year. So, sorry, there is a proposal in Congress to make that educator expense tax deduction um, apply to homeschoolers, but uh, it's not not getting very far in Congress right now. I do want to tell you, though, about some education credits and deductions that do exist, and particularly for college expenses. The one you might want to know about first off is called the American Opportunity Credit. It used to be called the HOPE Credit. 
it's a bit it's a good one it's a good one let me tell you you can get up a tax credit which I explained earlier tax credits are much better than tax deductions because they reduce your taxes dollar for dollar you can get up to two thousand five hundred dollars tax credits per student per college student for the first four years of your undergraduate college program okay and um, this applies to what you have to pay in tuition books and equipment not room and board but hey let me tell you tuition is the big boy when it comes to college expenses I have two dollars in college right now and we've been taking advantage of the American Opportunity Credit uh, ever since the first one started in her undergraduate years so again it applies to the four years of her undergraduate program um, and then not graduate school but hey what that's okay so anyway that's been wonderful there are some phase outs if you are high income you're not eligible to take it anymore but hey that doesn't affect most of us and you can look up that detail stuff um, if uh, if you are high income and I'm talking about things like over a hundred and sixty thousand I think is when the phase out starts there is another credit you might want to know about though it's called the lifetime learning credit you can get up to two thousand dollars of a tax credit this is per tax return so this is not per student the American Opportunity Credit was per student so you uh, twenty five hundred dollars per student the lifetime learning credit is a little different you could take up to two thousand dollars per tax return this is good for tuition books and equipment undergraduate or graduate courses or any course you take to acquire or improve job skills so let's say homeschool mom that you are sitting at home and you're looking like I am to be retired from homeschooling and saying hmm, there's some things out there I want to do to learn to improve my job skills make me employable and you start taking some classes this lifetime learning credit you could take uh, deduct up to 20% of the tuition that you have to pay up to a maximum of two thousand dollars per tax return hey that's pretty good <laughs> I um, studied at home to be a an accountant. Uh, I, that's why I call myself homeschool CPA. I really am a homeschooled CPA. Studied at home, took classes like you can online from colleges, and this lifetime learning credit came into effect the semester after I finished all my accounting classes. Otherwise, I would have gotten a tax credit for up to 20% of the classes I was taking. So anyway, look into that, homeschool moms. Um, so again, that can apply to your undergraduate, graduate, or, or adult classes. It does not apply if the student is still in high school. So they have to be post-high school to take advantage of the lifetime learning credit. There's one more credit. It's not used very often, but it's called the tuition and fees deduction. Uh, you can take up to $4,000 as a tax deduction um, for what you pay in tuition and fees. And the reason I say that's not used very often is because the American Opportunity Credit that I talked about and the Lifetime Learning Credit being tax credits, dollar for dollar reducing your taxes, are better on your tax return than the tuition and fees deduction. And you can't double or triple up. If you take that American Opportunity Credit, which most of us do because it's good for the first four years of college, you cannot additionally take a tuition and fees deduction. So that's why I say it's not used very often. Of all the clients I've had uh, that have college kids, we always take the American Opportunity Credit. It's it's better for them, you know, financially than the tuition and fees deduction. But hey, it's there. Also, after your children graduate from college or if they if they don't graduate, uh, if they just uh, don't finish college, but they have some student loans, you might not realize this, but there is a tax deduction for student loan interest that you pay up to two thousand five hundred dollars 
believe that's per person. I've had a couple clients that ha are paying back their student loans and uh, they get to deduct the interest, not the whole loan payment, but just the interest that they're paying on those student loans as part of a tax deduction. So you might want to know about that. It's on the front page of the tax return, meaning you don't have to itemize your deductions to take this student loan interest deduction. And finally, some states allow you to take a deduction if you're saving for college, which I'm going to talk about in a little bit, savings for college. But uh, the, the, one of the best ways to save for college is with what are called 529 plans. 529 is the number of the IRS code that, that explains the, the plan. But at least like, for example, here in Ohio, I'm allowed to take a tax deduction on my Ohio tax return for the contributions I make to my daughter's 529 college savings plan, up to $2,000 per student per year. So we were saving more than that because college costs a lot more than that. Uh, um, and I am allowed to carry forward any of the contributions I made to Ohio's 529 plan in future years. Which segues me into the last thing I want to talk about here. Not really tax breaks so much, but kind of things to help you save for college. Since I, we are talking about education. We care about education. We're homeschoolers. I already mentioned the 529 plans are offered in many states. They're, they're called um, qualified tuition programs. Sometimes you'll see that on some of the tax codes. So in case you're a little confused, if you see QTP, qualified tuition program, eh, that's the 529 programs. What, they, what they're designed to, to do is to let you save and accumulate and earn money, uh, save money, uh, grow your money tax-free. So you, you put money into these accounts and it grows and hopefully, you know, doubles or triples. It doesn't usually do that well, but, you know, it grows. And then all those earnings are tax-free when you take them out and use them for tuition, uh, books, room, and board. Okay, so I did that quite heavily with my two daughters. We put lots of money into 529 plans. Like I said, in Ohio, I got to take a tax deduction for that. Um, and... Uh, there's a carry forward for the um, extra that didn't that was capped. Uh, it was two thousand dollars a year in Ohio. Check your state. Now, um, let me explain about these. These programs when they first came out were were uh, very different from what they are now. You used to have to know that your child was going to go to college in your state. I mean, that's how restricted they were. You you could save money, but you, your college, your student had to be committed to going to college in your state. That's not true anymore. You don't even have to be a resident of your state to, to participate in a particular state's 529 plan. For example, one of my tax clients was interested in helping her niece go to college, and so she started contributing to a program um, in a different state. And I said, well, if you contribute to a program here in Ohio, you get the Ohio tax deduction because we live in Ohio. So check that out. You might find another state has a has a more attractive program, either in terms of like what they, uh, mutual funds that they offer, investments that they offer, or you might find if you participate in your state's program, you get that tax deduction. But anyway, you can. it's not nearly as restrictive as it used to be. Then some people worry about, well, what if I save all this money in a 529 plan and my kid doesn't go to college? So there's a couple things you can do. You can pass along to another student. They can keep that account open and think until they're about until age 30, and then they could pass the money down to perhaps their own child. There you go. That's something. 
uh, they could withdraw it. By the way, I'm speaking of them being the child, it's kind of a funny thing, but the 529 plans are sent up with the child being the beneficiary and the adult, you, the parent usually, or it could be grandparent or in my tax client's situation, an aunt. Um, they're considered, considered kind of the custodian because a child, the minor child is not considered obviously able to make investment decisions. But anyway, um, these are good plans and you can set them up and you can save for college that way. So I strongly encourage you to consider doing those. The other thing you might want to consider is something called a Coverdell Education Savings Account. They used to be called Education IRAs when they first came out and then it got named for Senator uh, Coverdell because he made some improvements in the program. You can save up to 2000 You can contribute up to $2,000 per beneficiary, meaning per student, per year. And very much like the 529 plans, the earnings are tax-free if they're used for tuition, books, room, and board. Now, these Coverdell Education Savings Accounts can also be used for your pre-college expenses, your K-12 through expenses. But usually, I've not seen that done very much. And the reason is um, because the, the benefit of a Coverdell Education Savings Account is that the earnings are tax-free. So you want to put that money in when the child's young and just let that thing grow, right? So then you take it out and the earnings are tax-free. If you're using it for K-12 through expenses, you're not getting the benefit of time and the growth in your investment. But you know what? It's an option if, if grandma or grandpa want to put money into an education savings account and then you can withdraw it for your um, kindergarten through grade 12 expenses, that's a nice way to go. Okay? It's out there. It exists. Although I don't see it being used for K-12 through expenses very much. It's usually used as a college savings account. And by the way, you can contribute to a 529 plan and the Coverdell Education Savings Account or Education IRA, like we used to call them. The Education IRA is limited to $2,000 uh, per beneficiary per year. Five twenty-nine, you can put in a ton of money. I don't believe there's a limit at all. There might be a limit on what you're allowed to deduct on your state taxes, but you can put in a whole bunch of money in a 529 plan. Okay, But again, it is locked up. Oh, I remember what I was... I was forgot to mention that in the 529 plan if your child doesn't go to college uh, you can pass along to somebody or you can take the money out and then you will have to pay taxes on the earnings just like it's a regular uh, investment okay there's no penalty for that but you do, will have to pay taxes on the earnings and the growth just like any other investment okay that was a lot to absorb wasn't it because <laughs> we talked about tax breaks for parents and we talked about education credits and we talked about some ways to save for college all this stuff will be in the show notes over at dollarsandcentsshow.com look for episode number 11 i'll also put it over on my website homeschool cpa i hope it was helpful hope it wasn't uh, too much to absorb at once but listen to the podcast again i think you'll pick up a few tips you know, just to help you be smart about your taxes, take advantage of the programs and laws that are out there to help you reduce your taxes while you raise kids. Again, I do want to remind you, don't ever think that the government is giving you something back. You know, they're not paying for homeschooling. Nope, sorry, that's on you. But do take advantage of the tax breaks that are out there to reduce the taxes that you owe. I just don't want you to get in the mindset of thinking, you know, well, it's nice to get a little something back. I'll have people say that. It's nice to get some of that tax money back. 
or the money that what they usually say is it's awfully nice to get that money back that I spent on books. Well, you're not getting that money back, to be honest. Um, all you're doing is reducing a little bit of the taxes you have to pay. And since we pay such high taxes to begin with, take advantage of everything you can get. But but don't fall into the trap of thinking that you're getting back some of the money you paid for um, homeschooling because you didn't. But you know what? I wish you the best in homeschooling. I am finished now. My daughters are currently in college. One's in graduate school. So I'm looking back on these years when we did save via the 529 plan and Coverdell education savings accounts. Wow. Um, it was worth it. It was it was worth what it took to set aside money to pay for that because they've been very happy and very successful in their college careers and it's preparing them for whatever's going to come next. So take care. The next episode of the Dollars and Cents show will be about taxes for teenagers. If you have a teenager, or you will soon, you definitely want to tune into that show because I'm going to talk about all the different ways teenagers make money and their taxes. Uh, Until then, thanks for listening, everybody. Bye-bye. Thank you for joining the Dollars and Cents Radio Show with Carol Topp here at the Ultimate Homeschool Radio Network. For more helpful information, visit Carol at her website, homeschoolcpa.com.